What is up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Overstated NBA Show. On this episode, we're going to be doing a preview of the Eastern Conference. We got a, we're going to do my top 10, Jacob's top 10, Brett's top 10, and then we're just going to have a, have an awesome NBA discussion. The NBA is back. It is back. We kicked off preseason on Thursday. Uh, I'm sorry, Friday and Saturday. So, yeah, I mean, uh, it's, it's right around the corner. It's coming closer and closer. As always, please subscribe to our podcast. You can find us on Apple, Spotify, where other podcasts are available. We really, really appreciate it. We're even talking about maybe getting on YouTube, maybe doing some Zoom stuff so you guys can see our, our beautiful smiley faces. But again, we really appreciate the support. And you can also find us in the Overstated NBA group on Facebook. We have a really, really good forum and a bunch of really cool people. And we have a, a lot of fun discussions. So appreciate the support from everybody. Thank you and enjoy. Jacob and Brett, what is going on, boys? I am back. My kids are healthy. It feels good to be back. I really, really was uh, disappointed that I couldn't be on last week. I thought it was an awesome discussion, and I'm happy to be back, boys. How are we doing today? We're happy to have you back, man. <laughs> it's Woo! not the same without. It's not the same without you. And I'm, I'm glad to hear your little ones are doing well. Oh, yeah, good. yeah. Thank God. Now uh, we got you back. We can, you know, have some kind of schedule to this. It won't just be Brett and I just going crazy. I love it though, man. You two, you two are so knowledgeable, man. I, I, I love it. I love it. But enough with all the uh, the touchy feely stuff. I gotta go back to making fun of. Uh, you know, we have hot take Brett and, and, and red coat Jacob. All right, now, oh, it feels so good to say, man. Oh, I love it. I love it. So, as 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 we talked about, we're gonna kind of do a top ten for everybody. So, so Jacob, let let's get into it, man. I mean, I'm excited. The NBA's back. Um, you know, my my Milwaukee Bucks played last night. I'm not gonna get excited. I'm not. Not going to get excited. You know, Giannis may be the best free throw shooter on the planet. I don't know. We'll see. Crazier <laughs> things have happened. But, Jacob, why don't you give us your top 10, and then Brett will go to you, and then then uh, then I'll give mine. Again, this is top 10 in the East. So, little disclaimer, this is my order is not a big board. Like we said on the Western Conference preview, I'm not trying to say who's the best team. I'm trying to say who's going to have the best record in the regular season. Let's get it. Number one, Philadelphia. Number two, the Milwaukee Bucks. Number three, the Miami Heat. Number four, the Boston Celtics. Number five, the Brooklyn Nets. Number six, the Toronto Raptors. Number seven, the Atlanta Hawks. Number eight, the Washington Wizards. Number nine, the Indiana Pacers. And number 10, very tight between two teams, but I went with the Charlotte Hornets. Ooh, okay. (laughs) I'm oh, smiling. Man, is- okay. <laughs> okay. I'm I'm la- I'm laughing because we were just joking before the podcast about watch we're gonna have the exact same order because um, we didn't go over this you know with each other beforehand and it's not the exact same but mine is close. <laughs> um, Let's hear it. Philadelphia number one and and Jacob, thank you again for the disclaimer because that's the same with me. We're just talking about regular season standings here, not necessarily who's the best team or who's gonna you know come out of the East or anything like that. But number one, Philadelphia. Number two, Milwaukee. Number three, Miami. Number four, Boston. Number five, Brooklyn. Number six, Toronto. So we're we're, we're exactly the oh, same yeah. one through six, you know, without having talked about this at all, of course. That's crazy. And then I put the Wizards at number seven and the Hawks at number eight. So ooh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I flip flop those two. And then Indiana at number nine. And uh, let's have some fun and put the Knicks at number 10. Whoa. Whoa. Leave it to Brett. Leave it to Brett to do that. I mean, 10, 10, number 10 in the East though. It's not like, you know, my hopes aren't that high for them. It was between them and uh, Chicago and, and Charlotte. And I think that could probably go either way, but I'll, I'll say the Knicks, um, you know, I don't know. Yeah, man, that was, that was pretty close. Steve, let's hear yours. Were you guys ready to get weird? I'm ready. Yes. All right, let's get weird. So I have Philly as number one. Milwaukee as number two. I actually have – I can't believe I'm going to say this. I have Boston at number three and Miami at four. So I have those two flip-flop from you guys. Mm -hmm. I have Brooklyn at number five. Shockingly, I have Toronto at number six. So all all three of us had Toronto at six. This is where it gets a little bit weird. I I, I still think Indiana is going to be seven. I, I still like them. I actually, the team that I am really, really high on, I have Washington at eight. I have Atlanta at nine. And I have I have Charlotte as 10 just because, man, Brett, I know you listen to that podcast too with Rusillo, dude. I'm drinking the James Borrego Kool-Aid. I, I think that dude is a great coach. And I think Charlotte's 
going to play hard. So yeah, we, we, um, we really didn't, didn't disagree that much. No, 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 we did not. <laughs> not at all. Uh, barely, but, uh, I mean, so I guess we know Philly's winning the East. Milwaukee's <laughs> yeah. coming in second. I mean, <laughs> so, so um, Brett, why don't you kind of do a breakdown of, of your list? And I want to get to Jacob because Jacob also said something that was interesting on the, uh, kind of right before we started recording. So, so Brett, what what kind of strikes you about the list that you have? Like, who are you really, really high on, and who are you really, really low on? Well, I mean, obviously, I'm really high on Philadelphia. Um, the team that maybe I should talk about first is Miami, because I think when we had talked about this on other podcasts and certainly in the group, you know, I don't think they had the greatest offseason. So I kind of had them in like the five, six range. But the more I thought about it, I think they're going to be really good in the regular season. And absolutely a dangerous team in the playoffs, but that's not really what we're talking about today. And look, it comes down to to the improvements of Bam and Hero. And I think they're going to make large enough improvements to more than make up for what I consider to be a subpar offseason in losing Derek Jones Jr., Jay Crowder, and uh, bringing in Mo Harkless and re-signing Myers Leonard. So it wasn't a great offseason, but those guys are super young. Uh, I, I'd be lying if I said I didn't think Bam was going to take another huge leap. And as far as Hero, if he can even just be what he was in the bubble for a whole season, that's pretty fucking good. Jimmy is getting a little bit older. That was another concern I had talked about, but he's not that old. What is he, 31 maybe? Uh, he, he's going to be just fine this season. So I, I, having them at three is a little higher than I had had them when we talked about this in the past, but that's that's kind of my reasoning behind it and then you know obviously all the other stuff the the great coaching just the, the culture within the organization and the the shooting and Duncan Robinson so they, they've got a lot going for them not to mention the momentum that will carry over from going to the NBA finals when nobody really expected them to do it so they've got a little extra swagger now and they had quite a bit to begin with between Jimmy and Hero and guys like that so I'm increasingly confident in their chances to make some noise not only in the playoffs but in the regular season Okay, okay. Jacob, how'd you come up with your list, man? Um, I mean, similar. I just got the teams out, got the rosters, and went to work. I, I agree. I think the thing that really struck me about Miami, and I think it's probably similar to you guys because we all have them three or four. I think the only difference in our top six is that, um, Steve, you have Boston and Miami swapped at three and four. That's literally all we have. So we all pretty much must have done the same kind of homework to come to this conclusion. but. I think with Miami, we have to, it's more likely that what they were in the bubble is what they are now. Like they had basically an off season, Bam and Hero came back in the bubble and were, they'd taken a jump. And Miami therefore had taken a jump. I think what they were in the bubble is what they're going to be. And I think that is good enough to be a top four seed for sure. In the East, like that, the roster, they, they haven't had a great, off season, but Precious Achua, he could step in immediately and play a role. He looks he looks like a good player. Avery Bradley, I really liked in Miami, but they didn't even need him in the bubble. But I do think he's going to be an upgrade defensively at the guard spot. And yeah, Jimmy's getting older. I still don't. I don't think he's getting close to being over the hill. We're in 2020. I think you know 31 is the new 29. So I'm not. I'm not too. I'm not too low on them. And yeah, I think. Hero and Bam can only go up, and those are the real guys you'd be looking to build around going forward. So I'm I'm high on them. I like it. I am too, man. And and kind of how I did my list is I'm I think this season is going to be really really weird. Um, I know you guys don't really follow follow other sports, but you know baseball and football had to had to deal with this, and there's there's a lot more travel in the NBA than those two sports, and. I just went through with with my list in, in the East because that, that's what we're talking about. I just went which team has a great head coach and which team has, has solid players, you know, star players that that can kind of weather this stuff. And I know that kind of sounds weird that that I have Philly as my number one after the disastrous year that they had last year, but I really think Doc is going to come in and he's going to get these these players to buy in. You know, I, I heard. Granted, again, it's preseason. I don't want to take too much away from it, but Joel Embiid seems he seems pissed off at at how they played in the bubble. I also think you know it, it's the kind of the carrot in front of the rabbit here. The, this this James Harden thing is I think it's going to come to a conclusion here pretty soon. 
um, and probably in the next couple of weeks, if I, I if I had to take a guess at it, obviously I could be wrong. But you know, you put James Harden on Philly, or or maybe that doesn't happen. I don't know. I just really, really like the coaching hire. For I don't know how it's going to go after next next year or a couple of years down the road. But I think for this year, Doc Rivers is going to have Philly playing really, really hard. And you know, Jacob, I want to I want to go back to you, and I, I want to get Brett's thoughts on this as well. You kind of said before we started recording, you had an interesting comment about Boston and. The reason that I had Boston as number three, all all joking and trolling aside, still fuck you, Derek Michael. But all all joking aside, like it's time for Tatum to take that step. It, 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 it's time for you know the the Jason Tatum is, is still eighteen years old. Like oh, he's still eighteen. He's got plenty of plenty of years. You know all that jokes. Like it's time for Tatum to become you know the the MVP candidate, the guy that can take over a game late that's not just going to chuck threes, that's going to get fouled, get to the foul line, make the right decision. I mean, you know, it, it, it's time for that potential. Same with Jalen Brown. You know, it's time for those two guys to be who we compared them to last year. You know, th- those guys, tough wing defenders that are going to get you a bucket when you need it, when you need them to. So, Jacob, kind of kind of go into a little bit of detail on, on, on your, your theory about Boston. So this was all born out of the – the a future by the numbers episode I'm working on, which is what how do you, how will young players take that jump into the next level, like a all NBA player, a top ten, top five player? And obviously when I'm looking at that, Tatum is one of those players that out of the young players that you would look to eventually take that jump, whether it's this season or next season, that ended up sending me down a rabbit hole on his, you know, his on-off data, his lineup data. And I found that Tatum is like the the MVP Tatum that people were talking about going into coming out of the season, you know, the top 10 player already, the All-NBA player. That is mostly uh, aligns with when Kemba Walker isn't playing. When Kemba is off the floor, Tatum goes up to like 27 points per game on crazy good efficiency. And when he's on the floor, he's down to like 22, 23 points per game on like league average efficiency. And his playmaking goes up. Everything improves with Kemba off the floor. And I think that's a likely scenario starting this season. I think, you know, Tatum could come out the gate without Kemba with maybe Jeff Teague playing the point. Tatum could come out and be averaging 27 points per game, nine rebounds, five assists, because his playmaking is improving as well. And it's well on a trajectory to be like Kevin Durant level. Like Kevin Durant at his peak, playmaking was a good playmaker. I think Tatum's on that trajectory as a playmaker. And then you think Kemba's going to come back. If Kemba comes back and Tatum regresses slightly, Tatum, his scoring drops, he has a bad couple weeks, suddenly does Kemba become expendable? Does Kemba become a contract which is more doing more harm than good? Well, they tried to trading the- him too. They tried trading him in the offseason. Yeah, and his contract isn't looking great given the injuries and it might end up looking worse if it's suddenly like he's holding back our best player and that's the um that's a timeline I can see playing out in Boston this year that Tatum starts amazing Kemba comes back Tatum regresses Boston needs to trade Kemba I can totally see that coming into this year and I think overall that's going to lead them to about the fourth seed Brett that's your team man Boston's your team yeah I had them at fourth as well I think they're going to be a version of what they were last year. I think it's as simple as this. And you guys kind of touched on it. Like if they're going to be, you know, a true contender, you know, if they're like a team we think could make the finals, like it's going to be because Jason Tatum is playing at an MVP level for them to be better than they were last year in both the regular season. And in terms of advancing beyond the conference finals, Jason Tatum is going to have to be in that MVP conversation, like a legit top five MVP candidate. So yeah, it's like, that's the kind of the massive jump that you're talking about, Jacob. He's going to have to take that regardless of Kemba's availability and his fit with some of the lineups. Like he's just got to take that shit over and, you know, and it's like, okay, so how does that happen? Or what does that look like? I mean, I'd like to see him do more in the way of playmaking. Like, I think he averaged maybe about three assists per game last season. I'd like to see him average five or six assists. Uh, I think he's going to have an opportunity to to really develop as a playmaker and really demonstrate whatever 
improvements he's going to make in that area because he's going to have the ball in his hands a lot, uh, especially when Kemba is out, but not just um, because of Kemba's absence, but also not having Hayward there. So they, they're kind of going to be without two of their primary playmakers, and a lot of it's going to fall on Brown and Tatum. And I just think Tatum has a lot more capability in that regard. So we're going to really see what he can do with the ball in his hands a lot more than than last season. So let's see what he how he develops as a playmaker. He shot the ball really well last season from three. He was over 40% at over seven attempts per game, which is pretty damn good for a guy with his usage that defenses really respect. So, you know, 40% would be great. Uh, maybe he can extend his range a little bit, start shooting from a little deeper. I, he actually talked about that uh, in a press conference with extending his range a little bit. So let's see if he can do that. Uh, let's see if he can get a little bit better finishing around the rim. So there's a lot of areas where he can still improve, uh, but that's what we're going to need to see. We might need to see like, you know, 28 points, eight rebounds, six assists, that kind of um, statistical line, like while sort of maintaining at least the efficiency he had last season. So it's a big challenge, but I think that's Boston's only hope to be like a true contender. They're not going to do it if he's basically what he was last season. So it's going to be a, a, a massive leap uh, needed. I have faith that he can do it. And, and if he does, maybe they'll finish a little higher than the four seed. If he doesn't at all, then maybe they'll finish a little lower. So maybe the four seed is kind of like an average of those two possibilities. But uh, yeah, I'm, I'm excited to see. But I think he could be in that MVP conversation, you know, if Boston has enough team success. So I want to I want to ask you guys going to another team, assuming that because we all um, had Brooklyn at number five. So assuming that Kevin Durant is is completely healthy, which I think that all all three of us are are assuming. Why don't we have Brooklyn higher? So so Jacob, we'll kind of start with you. Why do you have Brooklyn at number five? Basically, because Kevin Durant is going against the tide of history here. We're talking about coming back from the worst injury a player can have outside of, you know, a Sean Livingston type of injury. What KD has gone through is as bad as it can be. And I still think he can come back as maybe an all NBA player, but I don't see just based on probabilities. I don't see him being Kevin Durant. And then we're talking about Kyrie who Brett, you've talked about this a lot. Kyrie's history of unavailability. He just for as talented as he is, I think his career, it's an underrated storyline that his career has really been sidetracked by injury. And I don't think he's ever going to reach his real potential. I don't think we ever really saw it outside of maybe like the 2016 finals or something. I don't think we ever really saw what Kyrie could really be. And the rest of this team, it's good, it's deep. But I think there are teams that are going to be more consistent in the regular season. Yeah, consistency could definitely be an issue, and, and I'm glad you brought up Kyrie's injury history because that's one of the reasons why I can only have them so high because he's at the point where where I'm fully expecting him to miss a good chunk of games. Like He's missed 26% of all possible regular season games in his career, and that's a pretty staggering number, not to mention the playoff runs he's missed, like that, that Eastern Conference Finals run with Boston, for instance. He wasn't in the bubble with Brooklyn. Like He's missed a lot of time, and you know, it's gotten to the point where, yeah, like I think you have to kind of bake that into your prediction that Kyrie might miss 15, 20 games. And and I think we should also note that, you know, by the time this episode drops, Durant will have played a preseason game. It's uh, it's Sunday morning right now, uh, 10 o'clock Pacific time, but they're going to be playing a game in about five hours. It's going to be Durant's first time on an NBA court in 18 months. So I think, you know, of course it's a preseason game. We're not going to overreact all that, you know, but, uh, but we're going to have a better idea of what he looks like. Like if he just comes out and looks like himself, maybe I'll just be that much more confident in Brooklyn just based on that. Because if we can get obviously like anything close to what he was when he got hurt, which was the best player in the league, they could be pretty damn good. So I, I actually think this first preseason game is going to give us a pretty good idea. But I, they're going to have some chemistry issues regardless. It's their first time together. They've got a new coach. There's just so many questions with that team. So I think that's going to cost them some <clears throat> regular season wins. Just And it's not not necessarily like this huge drama everybody's anticipating but with it just imploding. Like I'm not not even that. Just just typical chemistry issues that happens with with teams, you know, when they're first put together. And I don't necessarily have them that far behind Boston or Miami or any of these teams. I think that top five could be pretty close in the East. But um, yeah, I, th- I think that's a good spot for them 
again, they've got a really high ceiling. I think that goes without saying, um, but there's also potential for it to go really bad, whether that's injuries or drama or, or just the chemistry doesn't work, whatever that may be. There's, there's potential either way. So I, I kind of like them in that five spot. Yeah, I think that Brooklyn is the the biggest boomer bust team, Brett. Brett, I, I agree with you almost with with just about everything that you said. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if Brooklyn ends up being the one seed. Like, I fully expect KD to kind of return to his dominant self, even if he's at ninety percent, eighty five percent. He's still better than 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 a lot of players. I just. I'm really curious. It's going to be fun to watch. You know, they have a brand new head coach in, in Steve Nash. I know Mike Tantoni's there to help him out, but I mean, just some of the stuff, you know, Kyrie did another Instagram uh, video with, with Kevin Durant. Um, Brett, I think you saw it. Just the stuff that he was saying, just looking at kind of uh, Kevin Durant's reaction was like, what? Like Kyrie was talking about how he was Kevin Durant, um, you know, and now he's, his footwork is impeccable. He's talking about himself now and that he expects to get seven to eight post-ups a game. And Kevin Durant was like, I don't really think that is going to work in the flow of our offense, having our point guard below the rim. Like, I, I don't know, man. Like, I just like, again, man, they could be really, really, really good. Cause I mean, as, as you alluded to, Brett, like Kyrie's so talented. I mean, both of these guys together, I mean, they're, they're probably pre Kevin Durant injury, top 10 players easily. It's just, I'm. It's going to be fascinating to watch, man. I, I mean, the boomer bust potential for this team is is definitely sky high. Oh yeah. Just as a note, if Durant is mostly healthy, Brooklyn could easily become a three seed because Durant is such a ceiling raiser for teams. Like I did some research into him and OKC. Those, you know, those two years where Russ was injured for basically a whole year and Durant was injured for basically a whole year, and they kind of swapped over teams. OKC was so much better when just Durant was there healthy and there was no Westbrook OKC was so good as soon as Durant goes down and it's just kind of Westbrook running the show OKC is just a little bit above average like a healthy Durant raises your floor and your ceiling so high we just have to see is he healthy or not it's a huge question mark it is but I mean this is a guy who in my opinion has been the best player in the NBA in at least three if not four seasons uh, better than LeBron some of those seasons. I don't care what anybody says. Uh, I mean, he's he's really, really an all-time great. And mm-hmm. he's like, he's he's completely unguardable when he's like, there's nothing you can do to stop that guy because of his length and his shooting ability and, and just his ability as a ball handler as well. So, I mean, that, that all I think should go without saying, like we've all seen Durant and seen how good he is, but I, I just feel like he, he is a little underappreciated. And if he comes back looking like his old self, I think people are going to have like a newfound appreciation for him. So, hey, I'm not ruling out the possibility. Let's let's see how he looks in that first preseason game. And like I said, by the time this this drops, we'll have seen that. So, uh, but I'm, I'm really excited to watch that later today, Sunday. Same, man. Same. I, and it's going to be good for for all basketball fans. Should be happy that that we get to see Kevin Durant play again. So let's let's go to the one team where where we seem all three of us seem to disagree on. I had Indiana at seven, and you both had them at nine. Kind of, uh, Jacob. We'll start with you. Kind of why do you have Indiana going from the, the fourth seed last year just to kind of completely out of the playoffs? Well, I mean, it's not completely out of the playoffs this year. It is in regular years, but I do have them in the play-in. Whether that means they actually get into the playoffs or not, I'm that's a whole different story because who knows how teams are going to look. I think the play-in is going to more be about momentum coming to the end of the year. I think, you know, this is something I actually have experience with um, – over in football, we have this idea of playoffs going into getting promoted to the Premier League, the EPL. And there is a rule of thumb that the team that goes into it with momentum is the team that ends up winning it, whether that's the, you know, in this case, the 10th seed or the 7th seed. Generally speaking, the team which has is on the winning streak coming in is the team that wins it. So I'm, I'm not really fussed about just the play-in is a possible ticket to the playoffs. But I think when you look at Indiana... Right, you got above them. I have Washington, Washington, Atlanta, Brooklyn, Miami. All those teams finished below them last year, and I think they've all taken a jump to become better than Indiana now. And that's not even taking into account whatever the hell happened this off season with Oladipo, with Miles Turner, and Oladipo's sister getting into Twitter beef. Like someone is lying in that situation, 
and whatever whatever happened there there is something toxic in that locker room I don't know how that's going to sort itself out going into the season I think that's going to drag what Indiana should be down a bit lower than what they could be yeah that, I agree man I think I think the chemistry issues are a big part of that um for me I, I think Oladipo is just not good for the, that team right now it's just there's there's just too much out there too much has been said uh and he's just not a good fit for them and, and, and look fit is another thing like the Miles Turner DeMontis Sabonis thing it just doesn't work they're both really good players so you know it's not like it's a disaster but I just can't believe they haven't traded one of those guys yet. I can't believe they're they're running it back yet again with those two. So what do you do? Do you start them together again? Or do you bring like a really good player like Miles Turner off the bench? Miles Turner should not be a bench player. Um, he's too valuable in the modern NBA, in my opinion, with his rim protection ability and his floor spacing ability offensively. Just those in themselves, not to mention he's young, like, None of it really makes sense, and I cannot believe they haven't moved off one of those guys. So I just I don't really like the way their team fits together. The new coach is a big question mark, and then all the Oladipo stuff. What about TJ Warren? Does he? I mean, we saw what he did in the bubble. Does he want to be the man now? Is like he is he their best player? <laughs> is that a guy that you want though as your best player? Like, yeah. it was how for real was that stuff in the bubble, and and how much of that confidence is gonna? carry over and maybe overconfidence like he's never been that dude before he's always been a really good scorer and a solid player but like I don't know if that's a guy you want as your number one option I don't think you want Oladipo as your number one option Brogdon's injury stuff and then just the two centers I don't know man I don't I don't really like any of it and I can only be so high on them like I think they'll definitely be at least a play-in team but I don't have them in my top eight I just don't I just think Washington and Atlanta are better this year in my opinion not by a ton but I think they're better just looking at looking at taking everything into consideration. Yeah, the reason the reason that I had Indiana ahead of Washington and Atlanta is, is kind of for for what I said off the top. Like I think this year is going to get really weird. And you know, by weird I mean like, you know, you're going to have for example, let's just say it's the Lakers going to Denver, you know, the Lakers team playing leaves, Lakers land in Denver, oh, somebody tested positive or they have to do contract tra- tracing and maybe half the team plays, maybe they have to suspend the game and, and and go in a different direction. And, you know, I just think, yeah, Brett, I agree with you. The, the fits are really weird, but I just, you know, I look at, you know, Malcolm Brogdon still on that team. I think Victor Oladipo, regardless of what we think of him, he is in a contract year. Players tend to play better when they're in a contract year. I just think this we this year is going to be really, really, really weird. Like I said, man, this, the NBA, these, these teams, you know, travel more than any other, uh, you know, major pro franchise in in the U.S. You know, the NFL is still basically Sundays. You know, you you have Thursdays and Mondays sprinkled in baseball. You're usually in town for for three or four days, depending on what your series is. So I, I, I that's the reason why I have Indiana at at, at seven. I, I just you know they were the four seed last year. I, I do agree with you guys on the fit. I just think with with COVID and how this season is going to be played, I just just expect some some weirdness. But let's kind of go on to. We all have, um, well, Brett, you have Washington at seven. Uh, Jacob, you have Washington at eight, and I have Washington at eight as well. Brett, what kind of, uh, what excites you about Washington? I, I have a, a, a feeling I know why, but what, uh, why do you have Washington uh, making the playoffs this year? I really like the fit with Russell Westbrook and Bradley Beal, first of all. I think that actually makes a lot of sense, the more I think about it. I think Beal's efficiency is going to go up, having a guy like Russ that can, you know, sort of get to the rim and kick it out. I just think they're going to complement each other really well. Um, I think Russell's going to really raise the intensity level of that team. I don't think he gets enough credit for that. You know, wherever he goes, like he raises the intensity level. Guys are going to bring it, you know, when you've got Russ in your ear and when he's setting an example, like when he's the first guy at practice and the last to leave, when he's the guy, you know, diving on the ground, when he's the guy giving it 110% at all times, like that's going to really inspire other players to do the same. And I don't think Washington's had a guy like that in, in a really long time, if ever. Look, in last season, they were dreadful defensively. Uh, they were certainly one of the you know bottom three or four defensive teams in the NBA, I believe. So that's going to be something where if they want to get into that range where I sort of have them as like a seven, 
They're going to have to get better on defense. Russell Westbrook's a good defender, but I think more than like his ability as, as a player um, defensively, it's, it's going to be sort of that intensity that I talked about where maybe he can inspire some guys to play the best defense of their lives. So I think having him there is going to be kind of the, at the heart of all of this, um, if, of them improving. But, but outside of him, I, I like some of the guys they have on their team. I mean, they've got two bigs who can really shoot it. or three, You could even say three bigs. Thomas Bryant can shoot it. And then you've got Mo Wagner and you've got Davis Bertans. So they've got as much stretch big depth as any team in the league, in my opinion. Just having three guys that are between 6'10 and 7 feet that can shoot it at that level is is really something. And then I think Danny Avdio was a great pick for them at nine. I don't think he's going to be a huge contributor, but sort of because of his international experience and just the nature of his game and his basketball IQ, I think he's a guy that can fit in and almost resemble an NBA veteran uh, despite his age, being only 19 or 20 years old. So, And then they've got a couple of other nice pieces. Uh, Troy Brown Jr. is a guy that you know could help any team. I, I see him as sort of a, a bench spark plug for them. So it, look, their roster is pretty good. Um, they were really good offensively at times last season. And if the defense can even catch up a little bit, even if they could avoid, say, the bottom 10 defensive teams in the league, I think they're, I think they're a surefire playoff team in the East. Huh. I like it. Jacob, what do you think? See, I, I do agree partially. I think Westbrook does. Like When you look at Westbrook's career, he mostly, I think he gets a bad rap in the, in the regard that if I had to say I have four replacement level players and I need a player to drag the team up, I think there aren't five players in the league you would take above Russell Westbrook in terms of I have a terrible team, I want to get this team to the playoffs. I don't know how many players I could put above Russell Westbrook. Now, do I want to take a team to 50 wins? I think there are a lot of players I would take above Russell Westbrook, but putting him on this team with, like you say, Beal with the front court spacing they have I do think Westbrook is going to be a positive to this team I don't see them missing the playoffs like I have them eighth I don't see them missing the playoffs and I do think Avdia the problem is though that will Beal be happy because no matter where Westbrook goes his style of play and his intensity kind of means he kind of has to be the man like even in Houston they had to build the team around Westbrook in order to make it even work with Harden and Harden had to take a step back of sorts to make it work and I think that was probably to the detriment of Houston so we'll see if Beal is actually going to be happy with this situation going forward or whether he actually really likes it because like you say Brett I mean Westbrook for as much as he has this media narrative of him and being you know an asshole teammates love him teams really really love him and you heard I don't know if you guys have heard the recent Woj pod uh, with Doris Burke where they talk about the Houston situation Russell Westbrook comes off really well like he is a consummate professional always there always training always setting an intensity level that Harden was not up to and Harden lives in a more kind of chaotic system I do think Westbrook is a floor raiser for this team one big issue I have with them is backcourt depth where outside of Westbrook and Beal, I mean, is, you know, Ish Smith, Raul Neto, are those kind of the backups we have? I think that's going to cost them in the minutes um, Westbrook and Beal are off the floor if they don't get staggered. And yeah, I don't see them getting too high. And I don't think this is a move that really will ever put them into contention. But I think they'll be a frisky playoff team, honestly. Yeah, Russ in the East is something, too, to consider. You know, I mean, he's always been in the Western Conference and just that in itself. I mean, the West has been a, a tougher conference pretty much his whole career. So just to see him going to the East, like he might be more of a kind of a big fish in a small pond, I guess. Uh, yeah, I don't think he gets enough credit for not only being a, a great teammate who, who everybody loves, like you, you mentioned, but also bringing out the best in a lot of players. Mm-hmm. You can go back throughout his whole career and it's like, Guys don't struggle to get theirs playing alongside Russ. Like that, I know that's the narrative, but he brings out the best in a lot of guys. I think he's going to bring out the best in Bradley Beal and, and hopefully some of those other guys on the team. And I agree about their guard depth. That's a very legitimate concern. Uh, one thing I'll say is that Troy Brown Jr. can really handle the ball. Uh, he, he's almost like a point forward. So I think we could see him in kind of a point role at times. I think they're going to try to use him there. 
But uh, but I agree. They could use another like traditional point guard. Ish Smith is, you know, he's solid, serviceable, but you'd like to see them have somebody a little bit better behind those guys. I, I also think that Westbrook is going to lead by example, and this team is going to play incredibly hard. You know, I I don't know like like similar to what you said, Jacob. I I really that was a really good point of you know. Russell Westbrook probably at this point in his career isn't going to be, you know, the guy that you want leading your team to a championship. But I think for this Washington team, for this franchise and this fan base, I think he's going to be really good for them. I think you're going to see he's going to get on guys that don't play hard, especially in practice. And I think, you know, him, you know, we haven't talked about it, him being reunited with Scotty Brooks. I, I think it's going to be a good thing. I think Scotty and him had a, had a really good relationship. And I, I, I really like it. I, I really, really just think that, I just like the fit, and I, I think Washington is going to compete, and they're going to play very, very hard every single night, and I, I think that matters, and I think it's going to show up in the in the win column. So let's let's kind of jump around to another team that we are all you know fairly high on with with the offseason that they have the the Atlanta Hawks. Uh, Jacob, you have them at seven. Brett, you have them at eight. I have them at nine. So so Jacob, uh, what about the Hawks intrigues you coming into this upcoming season? That they might have, if you talk about like a ten man roster, they might have the deepest roster. Like you mentioned, um, with Washington and with Indiana, when you're talking about Indiana, I believe, where you're saying how the team is going to be ready for a weird season. I think no one's more ready for a weird season than the Atlanta Hawks in terms of oh, someone's yeah been contact traced and has to sit out for the next ten days. Like the Atlanta Hawks have two guys behind them that could be backups or starters on other teams. Like that's how deep this team is. When you just look at like their guard depth goes, you know, Trey, Rondo, Bogey, Herter and Dunn. That's five guys who all should get minutes in certain in different roles. And then you go forward like Collins and Gallo. Like do should either of those guys be playing less than 25 minutes per game? And that that's more than the amount of minutes you have at like the power forward position. There's just there are two. I th- do think there are too many mouths to feed on this team, but that might actually help them in a COVID situation. That's the weird part about this, that maybe those chemistry issues that I think would pop up in a regular season are going to be less important in a COVID season, where, like you say, Steve, in other sports, this is a common occurrence now. Did Other sports have had to deal with this for a few months, where you know a team just five guys are down with contract tracing or testing positive. But I do think also this team is poised to make that jump because Trey was already, he was already taking this team to an above average offense. And now they have Bogey and Gallo who are both good offensive players. This team could be really scary on offense as bad as they might be on defense. This team could be really scary and yeah, I don't see them in the Eastern Conference. I don't see them not making the top eight unless there is some implosion. Yeah, I'm excited about them too. And I don't need to say too much on it. You, you know, you made a great point about the depth. I think they've got more above average NBA players than any team in the league. I count nine, maybe 10 legitimately above average NBA players on that team. Uh, so, and that's really something. And and yeah, I, look, I don't think there's going to be quite as many COVID absences this season as people are thinking, but there's going to be quite a few. Don't get me wrong. And in a season like that, having that kind of depth where you've got five legitimately above average NBA guards on your team, like got all guys that could start, uh, that's a huge advantage. So that, I think that does play a part. And uh, yeah, their defense was atrocious last season. But I do like the way that they've bolstered it with Capella. We still haven't seen him play in a Hawks uniform. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's a major upgrade and, and should help them a lot defensively. And I think Cam Reddish is going to have a very nice defensive season. I love his upside as a defender. I could see him on a similar trajectory to somebody like Mikhail Bridges, uh, you know, just getting better and better every year. And then by maybe year three, we might be like, Look, this guy could be all defense. So, I, I think he's going to be a, a, certainly an above-average defensive player on the wing. That's really valuable. Um, and, and I think uh, DeAndre Hunter, to a lesser extent, could really play some defense. And, and in Chris Dunn, you've got – I think he's a top five defensive guard in the NBA. You know, at least like a point guard for someone his size. I would probably have him in like my top five, six maybe. 
I think he could be an all-defensive player as well. So they've really addressed their weaknesses, and they've added a tremendous amount of depth. And Trey Young is, what, 22 years old? I mean, he, he could get a lot better. Like, he, I, I don't know, man. Lots of like in Atlanta. I, I could have gone either way with them in Washington, but I think those will be like the seven and eight. I'm really excited about both teams, but especially the Hawks. Yeah, I, I can easily, and Jacob, I'm glad that you said that. I could easily see, I think the top five in the East is pretty much set. I could easily see Atlanta getting up to the sixth, uh, the sixth spot just because of the depth that they have. And that's also a really good point that you made, Brett, you know, nine to 10 players that are above average. I mean, that's spot on. And, and Atlanta's done a really, really good job of just, they have, they have depth at just about every single position. And, you know, they... Maybe they're a prime candidate for somebody. I don't know. Just, just, just kind of conspiracy, Steve. Just kind of throwing that out there. But I mean, I, I think the depth, especially this year, is going to be is going to be crucial. And I, I think Atlanta has done has done a great job of that. Um, are there any other teams that you guys want to talk about? As I say that with a big smile on my face, um, we really, <laughs> we really, you know, you already know, you already know. We really, yeah. really don't have to, um, you know, Toronto. I mean, they're going to play hard, you know. <laughs> Toronto I'll just say this about Toronto I'm 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 gonna say right now I expect OG Ananobi to win the most improved player of the year award love it there Ooh. we go yeah that's my there's my prediction for the episode there's a lot of guys I've been kind of going over this one because they say it's like the hardest one to predict so I really like to look at it uh, I just think based on everything he, he's the guy so I'm gonna say that right now I think he's gonna take a massive leap and they're gonna need him to uh is it going to be enough to even get into like the top four I don't think so. I see them in kind of the five, six range. Uh, I just think, I, I think they're really going to feel the loss of Ibaka. And I don't think Baines is quite as good as people think. No, like I agree with that. Might have been a little bit of an overpay. Like he's, he's closer to mediocre than good. I like him, but I just don't know if he's like who you want as your starting center. I, hey, if the three point shooting is for real, he provides them with a lot of value there. Uh, but I need to see more of that to know that it's for real because before last season, he, he, that wasn't really his game. Um, he's just such an odd player. He's one of those guys. He's older than you think he is. I believe he's 34. And he's got this big, giant, bruising body. But he's kind of become like this stretch five. Uh, he, he's an odd player. But you could do worse. They needed to get somebody. I talked about this on the podcast. I think they signed him the next day. So I'm glad they got somebody there, but they're going to feel the Ibaka loss. I think he was he was really important for them. And but, but let, let, keep an eye on OG though. That's going to be the X factor for them. I think he's going to make a huge jump, MIP. But how big of a jump can he take? Can he become a star? And if he does, then they could definitely go higher than I have them. But uh, it's just hard to get excited about them. And I think a lot of that is just the off season, where it's like ah, he just wanted to see them do a little more. Good, good on them for bringing back Van Vliet. Lowry's legitimately on the old side now. Um, so, yeah, it's, we'll see how it shakes out. They're probably a team we shouldn't underestimate too much, though. They're as well-coached as anybody, and they've had a pretty consistent run of success here. So, uh, what do we have? We have them at six. Do we all have them yeah, at six? We all have, we all them, have at them at six. All right, well, they're going to finish six then. We, we, we already see, know. <laughs> I think that kind of speaks to the fact that, I mean, like you say, if, if OG can take a leap, then we're talking about like Siakam, Van Vliet, OG, all these guys who are like really good third options on great teams or second options in some cases. That's great, but they don't have a star. They simply do not like, we can talk about Siakam maybe being a star. I don't believe it. I've been banging that drum now for a while that he's not, he's a second option. He's a great second option, but you do not want him leading your team. And I think having them six kind of speaks to the fact that because you look at the teams above them, you got, you know, in for all of us, Brooklyn, who have Durant and uh, Kyrie, Boston, who have Tatum, Miami, who have, you know, Butler, top 10 player, and Bam, Milwaukee, who obviously have Giannis, Philadelphia with Embiid and Simmons. And we're kind of talking about Toronto as the best of the rest, the best team that doesn't have a clear superstar kind of level player on them. That's kind of, and I think that's, um, the right position for them because they don't have a clear superstar kind of level player but they do have a great organization they have a great team great depth great coach great front office and this might be them maximizing the talent they have coming in sixth maybe beating a team being frisky in the playoffs that's about where I see them right now and I think that's kind of, 
that speaks to where we all had them sixth. I think that speaks to everyone kind of having that same vibe. Yeah, it's a, I'm glad you summed it up that way, man. That's a good way to put it. Like they're kind of the best of the rest once you get past those teams with superstars because that's how the NBA is, man. A lot of times, like almost always, your ceiling is determined by your best player. Like when they won the title, they had Kawhi Leonard. And I guess they just bring up the question of like, you know, if you've got a t- of starting five, if you've got, I don't know what, four or five, like legitimate, like number, at least number three guys, how far can that take you? I mean, when was the last time we saw a team like that where your best player is probably like a number two or number three guy in a perfect world? Um, how far can that take you in the NBA? Yeah, it's probably not something you want to bet on, but maybe they'll kind of prove that, um, prove that wrong. But do you think there's a chance that at the end of the season we could be talking about OG as their best player? Is that yeah, he has to do something to break through the ceiling. Like, what's his ceiling right now? Do you think, like, in a perfect world, assuming he doesn't suddenly he's a 40% three-point shooter, or, you know, suddenly he's an amazing pick-and-roll ball handler, what's his ceiling, really, like, without adding something we can't predict to his game? I mean, I would say, I would like to say his ceiling is probably third-year Kawhi. Yeah, which is – that's right? a great player. That's a great player. I mean, I think if you look at their – career trajectories next to one another it makes sense like Kawhi's third season you know he was still averaged like 13 and 6 like he wasn't putting up huge numbers he really didn't put up huge numbers until like his fifth or sixth season so I would say that's OG's ceiling OG is going into his third season correct Uh, or no his fourth season so maybe I would say his ceiling is third season Kawhi I mean yeah that's that's great that that might be their best player but uh, if OG is your best player at that level, don't you you want him to be your second best player? At that to really kind yeah. of yeah. Well, no, it just it goes back to the issue. Like, I mean, I think in all all likelihood, we're still going to be talking about Siakam as this team's best player. Like, he, I think we we might sleep on him a little bit. He's awesome. Uh, probably just as we've talked about so many times, too a little too much has been asked of him, uh, especially last season. So, but I, I think you know most likely he's he's going to be their guy. I just wonder like how much of a jump can OG take? I'll say this. If OG could take a big enough jump to become their best player, then they're probably like a top three C because you have that and then you still have Siakam and Lowry. So that you know, that's a huge jump. And even when I talk about him winning the MIP, I'm not talking about him making that kind of jump to where he's like a star um, quite yet. That could happen down the road. But yeah, they're an interesting team. Let's see how far all those kind of number two and three kind of guys can take them. Yeah, it'll be it, it'll be fun, man. I'm looking forward to the season. I think we covered every team. Hey, guys. I mean, we. Jesus <laughs> Christ. Dude. No, there's. It's, <laughs> <laughs> all right, yeah. all right, all right. We we all have um, the Milwaukee Bucks number two. I'm sure you guys want to hear my response to this. Here's my response. Absolutely. For this Let's team, go. the regular season doesn't mean anything. It does not mean anything. They they the last two years since Coach Bud has been there, they've been the best regular season team. Only to flame out in the playoffs in 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 dramatic fashion. Yeah, uh, two years ago with Toronto, they blew a two nothing lead. You guys have heard my, my my thinking about that. Obviously, last year, uh, actually this year in the bubble, um, yeah, there was uh, some 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 weird circumstances. But again, you know, they got uh, they got upset by Miami. I, I know you guys were kind of higher on Miami than I was, but you know, you know, they, they got embarrassed. And frankly, they got embarrassed by Miami. I, I thought Giannis played absolutely terrible. He got hurt. Chris Middleton won them a playoff game. So we know that, that, that he can play. I just think, you know, and I'm not trying to dodge the, you know, kind of the elephant in the room uh, with Giannis's contract situation, but I just think the regular season means absolutely nothing to this team. If this team, this team could go undefeated and myself included, well, actually, I'd probably buy in a little bit, but we, we're all going to say the same thing. It doesn't matter until the playoffs start. Has Giannis figured this out? Does he have – does Giannis have enough confidence in his free throw shooting to to make – to hurt teams? Otherwise, it, again, man, it, it, it really doesn't matter. It, it, to me, it, it, it's pretty simple. I think that Drew Holiday is a – I can't say this enough – a massive, massive upgrade offensively over Eric Bledsoe, both of those guys were all NBA defense. Um, you know, we, we saw what Drew Holiday did in the playoffs 
when he was with the Pelicans with Anthony Davis, they beat Portland. Um, and then against, obviously against Golden State, you know, Kevin Durant called Drew Holiday, you know, a top five defender that covers him. I, I again, that, that upgrade is massive. I agree with Brett as much as the Bogdan trade on paper um, for a starting five looked like one of, if not the best starting lineup in the NBA. I do think Dante DiVincenzo is going to be really, really good for Milwaukee at the two spot. But again, and I don't mean to sound down for, for all the, you know, the five bucks fans that are listening to this. I just think it does not matter what this team does. They could finish first, second, third, fourth. It really doesn't matter until the playoffs start. I, I think that's where we're at with this team because we've seen, we've seen what they can do in the regular season. It, it's flat out amazing. You know, um, Jacob, what do you, what did you have them offensively last year as one of the best teams in NBA history? Offensively and Defense. defensively, Defense. you know, defensively, like, yeah, defensively. I mean, we we've seen what this team is capable of. I think Bobby Portis, you know, he's his defense needs to improve, but I mean, he's going to be a walking bucket. I'm not high on DJ Augustine, um, but some of the other moves that they made. But again, man, it, it does not matter until the playoffs start. So there, there's my Bucks rant for everybody that wanted to listen to it. There it is. Hey, I'll say this: like, and I I think they're going to be a, a excellent regular season team again. And at the top of the East, I have it close between them and Philadelphia. Like, I think they're going to be probably within a couple of games of each other. And I think they'll probably be in a class of their own at the top of the East. Like, I think they're going to be a tier above Miami, Boston, Brooklyn, maybe Toronto. Uh, I, I think it's really going to be – they'll both be in the neighborhood of, like, 60-win equivalent. I do. I agree with – um both of you I think honestly I do think Milwaukee will slip a little bit in the regular season just because teams and in the third year of this kind of I mean Milwaukee have been a complete juggernaut the last two years by the third year when you're doing that and like you say there's been playoff failure after playoff failure you need to be experimenting in the regular season I see them totally doing that and I think that's probably going to cost them wins but be more valuable when they get to the playoffs and can throw different looks at teams both offensively and defensively one thing I think it's worth noting I think will be a narrative in the regular season but will disappear once the playoffs start is I think people are going to say Drew Holiday is underperforming and I think that's going to come from the fact that like Drew Holiday and Bledsoe I think in the regular season in this Milwaukee team because remember Drew Holiday is slotting in as the third guy on offense. It wouldn't surprise me if we're looking at Drew Holiday's Drew Holiday's um, per-game numbers and we're saying, oh, he's putting up 15, 5, and 5. They gave up, you know, three picks or whatever for him, for Bledsoe. How much better is he actually than Bledsoe? And the, I think the difference is going to be they're both going to put up similar regular season numbers, but come playoff time, that 15, 5, and 5 for Bledsoe becomes like 10, 5, and 5. Exactly. On, on terrible efficiency and drew holidays is going to either stay at 15 five and five or maybe jump up to like 25 and five without losing the efficiency that's something i could really see that being a media panic in the regular season with oh drew holiday they gave up too much they're not better they don't have a better record than last year but then you get to the playoffs and drew is a much more valuable player and and, and here's the thing too and i don't know Bobby Portis, you know, he, he just kind of has that dog in him. You know, I'm doing air quotes right now. He's going to – I mean, what I mean by that is I think he's going to provide some real leadership to this team. I don't know – like, again, he, he's, a, he's a walking, you know, a sliding door on defense. Like, like we all know that. But, but he can get a bucket. But more than that, though, I think the, the, the attitude of this team, I think he can make a bigger impact than anything. You know, we saw – you mentioned Eric Bledsoe and, and – you know, Malika Andrews, before she became the superstar, she covered the Bucks and she did this profile on Eric Bledsoe. And it, it, it's similar to Giannis, man. All this stuff with these two guys, man, it's just nerves and it's in their head. You know, Eric Bledsoe can do it. We, we saw, well, Greg Randon, he's not with the Bucks anymore, but he's really good in the regular season. You know, he's, he's an all-defensive NBA point guard. But when the playoffs start, he just, he just can't get over this, the nerves that he has. And, and it's the same with with Giannis, you know, it's almost like Giannis in the playoffs, you know, I know we're doing regular season, but like, he's just waiting for someone to help him out because he doesn't know what to do. And he's like scared to, 
to go to the rack and get fouled because he, you know, he's worried about his free throws or, or whatever. I don't know. I, maybe, maybe that's going to be the case, but enough about Milwaukee. I don't want to talk. Well, about no, let, me, let me say one more thing too. Like, <laughs> okay. So I'm, I'm not worried about Giannis. I'm not worried about Drew. I'm not worried about Brooke. I'm not worried about Chris. I think there's two X factors for this team in terms of players. And I think those guys are Bobby Portis, who you just talked about, who is going to be playing a lot of backup center for them. Um, you know, how, how well can he fare there? He's a six ten guy and he can really, really shoot it. He's a bucket. You no, know, he was, he's a bucket getter. He can really shoot the ball. I mean, he was at about 40%, um, just two seasons ago from three on like four attempts per game. I mean, he averaged 14 and eight that season. So he, he can definitely score points, like you said, and he can really shoot it, but how much can he give them? I think he's going to be one of their X factors. And I think the other one is going to be Dante. Like, look, we can joke all we want about the Bucks, like front office not understanding the salary cap. Oh, and of course, God. Everything fell apart with Bogdanovich. But they knew – look, man, they know what they're doing. I, I believe they do. And I think that they were trying to build a, you know, a championship team. They were like, this is what we need to do. We need to get this guy. We need to get you – know, we need to get Drew. We need to get Bogdan. And they didn't get Bogdan. But I think if Dante can be as good of a player as they expected Bogdan would have been for them, that's going to be huge. Like he's still really young, you know. He's only going into his third year, I believe. Like, what kind of leap can he take? So I think he, you know, and, and they lost Wes Matthews, so they really need a lot from him. So I think he might be their biggest. And he was, and he was, Brett. You and I talked about it on a couple of those recap pods. He was really, really awful in the bubble. But the last couple games in that Miami series, we saw the Dante Divincenzo that we saw in the regular season. Just a hustle player. He's going to play defense. He's going to get loose balls. He's going to get, you know, big time rebounds. That's what the Bucs need him to do. The, the other, as you said, man, the other guys are going to take care of themselves. And, and the last thing I'm going to say about the Bucs, Jacob, I hope you're right. They better fucking start experimenting with some, with some other different styles of play. Like I want to see Brooke Lopez in the post every now and then give him the ball just to get a bucket. You know, I want to see Giannis down there. I, I'm so sick and tired of this narrative that Giannis has to shoot threes. I don't, Shoot one three a game, dude. Just just be you, man. The, the three point shot isn't your game. You're gonna airball a couple of them. Just just be you. I mean, obviously, if you want to keep the defense honest, but just just be you. And I, I, Jacob, you nailed it on the head, man. Just just start experimenting with different things. You know, if you want to have Bobby Portis at the four and have Giannis play the five, sometimes experiment with that. Because like I like I said, and I don't mean to sound down. Like you guys know. I mean, you guys know me. Like I'm gonna get super excited, and you're gonna hear. Hashtag Bucks and six 15 times a day. But like the regular season for this team means nothing. Just, just start experimenting with different crazy things that you can that you can throw in in a playoff series that you know that works instead of doing the same thing because doing the same thing has, like I said, the Toronto series, I think we can all Kawhi and and you know Fred Van Fleet, he still doesn't miss threes when he plays Milwaukee. But really the Miami series should be the one that was concerning because that was just you ran into a buzzsaw and and there was zero adjustments made. So, so that's my Miami rant or my Milwaukee rant. Um, let's, 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 let's end this with Philly though. Um, you know, I kind of let off the top with Philly. Um, I, I really think doc is going to be fantastic for them, but, um, but Brett and Jacob, why don't you guys kind of give your thoughts on Philly, why you guys have them as the one seed and we'll kind of go from there. Uh, I think they just upgraded in some really important areas. You know, they upgraded not only their head coach, but their whole coaching staff. And then they upgraded their shooting by bringing in Seth Curry. Um, I think Shake Milton's going to have a, a pretty nice role for them. He can shoot the ball. Uh, so, th- look, I just think those were sort of the areas where they were most lacking was their coaching and their shooting, um, their spacing, right? And I think they addressed those areas. And I think they're going to bring out better versions of Embiid and Simmons, especially Simmons, uh, than we've seen. And I think one thing that we need to remember is that, look, yeah, their time in the bubble was disappointing, especially in the playoffs. Boston smoked them. But Ben Simmons was injured. Like, we got to keep that in mind. You know, I've actually heard people talking about how, like, Ben Simmons, like, failed in the bubble or something. It's like, he was hurt. He didn't play. So I don't know that they would have beaten Boston, but to judge them based on that series is a little unfair. Uh, because they were without their best defensive player, their most versatile player. So I think we do need to keep that in mind as well, too. So, you know, you get a healthy Simmons, a new coach, a new front office, essentially, or at least a new president of basketball operations. 
and um and, and a lights out shooter in Seth Curry, who in some situations, Seth Curry is just a mediocre, okay NBA player, right? But when you put him next to Simmons and Embiid, I think he becomes extremely valuable. You know, that's how I think it's important to look at players' value like that. It's like just based on their situation. Say on Portland, like he was a nice player, Curry, right? Like, but he wasn't extremely valuable. I think he's extremely valuable on this team just based on what they need to really thrive to, you know, to be at their best. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm high on them. But like I said, I think it's going to be really close. I think I think them and Milwaukee are going to be the one and two in some order, and th- they're both going to have massive regular seasons. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I think when you look at some of the trades Maury made, you suddenly you think, oh, um, they gave up, you know, Josh Richardson. He gave up Al Horford, these type of players, and he got back Seth Curry. He got back Danny Green and Terrence Ferguson. But the point isn't these trade. These trades don't happen in a vacuum. These trades are for the Philadelphia 76ers. And the 76ers need shooting. Like you say, I think Seth Curry can be a force multiplier for this team when you think his spacing, he's one of the best shooters in the league. Like all, all the Currys always are. He's one of the best shooters in the league. And that impact on this team could be invaluable. Same with Danny Green. His impact, you know, we can talk about the memes of him Bricking shots in the playoffs, but I, I'm going to trust his career averages ahead of uh, eight game sample size. Ferguson, in theory, can be a good shooter. Matisse Thibel, I think, is a bit underrated as just a catch and shoot player. I think he's got some real upside there as like a real three and D superstar role player. And then you think Tobias Harris is a good shooter, and suddenly you've got shooters at every point on the floor. Like you say, Shake Milton hopefully has improved. And yeah, suddenly around Embiid and Simmons, you have great shooters at every spot and you have less mouths to feed in the sense like Al Horford wants to be a starting level player. Like um, Josh Richardson wants to be a starting level player. Seth Curry is probably going to start, but I don't think he has the ego of a starting level player. And Danny Green is obviously a, a role player for his whole career. Thibel is still a young player. Ferguson's still a young player. Tobias Harris can really slot into a third option role as a strong shooter, I think this team just suddenly it fits together so well around these two superstars that really don't fit together and you've had to build the whole rest of the roster to fit them together. I think it works. And I think, yeah, yeah, if Philly can just, Philly can just not implode, I think this is kind of where the team's going to suddenly feel like, yeah, we're good. And then they're going to get on a run. When you have these two guys I think when confidence starts increasing around Embiid and around Simmons, this team has the star upside to just go on a run and just be like, right, we are really good now. Let's go for the one seed. Let's prove in the regular season. Because they're not like the Milwaukee Bucks who aren't going to go for the one seed because who cares? Like we're, we're obsessed with the title now. Philadelphia, the one seed is a big achievement for them and it's a big confidence boost. And I think that's why I have them going number one. Even if I think in a series I might bet against them against like Milwaukee maybe I would bet against Philly but in the regular season yeah I think Philly will have that kind of chemistry boost to take the one seed and I'm I'm big on them well and I'm glad you first of all I'm glad you brought up the importance of the number one seed to them because their home record was insane Mm -hmm. last season true I think they lost like two or three games at home. So like that really matters to them having home court advantage. And I'm also glad you brought up Danny green because I didn't even mention him. And you know, if he on most other teams, Danny green would just be like an expiring contract. Right. But he can really help them again with his shooting um, and, and his experience. Like he, he's actually a really nice fit for them. So seriously, man, Daryl's Daryl's doing his thing. And like Simmons and Embiid, I think they can coexist. It just has to be in the right surrounding situation, the right environment in terms of players, teammates. And look, have they found that environment? I think they may have, but only time will tell. But guys, but I'm guys and just like, again, man, we, we don't know what's going to happen. But as I as I said off the top with this, that James Harden for for Ben Simmons thing is just sitting. You got, we I think we all can assume that it's just sitting there on the table. I don't know if Houston necessarily wants to do that, but I think I I am fairly confident and would wager a significant amount of money that Daryl Morey would do that Ben Simmons for James Harden trade in a heartbeat. 
and, and you put James Harden on that team, again, I don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves, but I think with Ben Simmons, Philly is the one seed in the East, and I think with James Harden, Philly is the one team or the one seed in the East, and they're, they're, they're that much better. Like I, I just think that there's so many opportunities here for them, and it's just it's going to be fascinating to watch, man. They're going to be a really fun team this year if – and this is a big caveat if Joel Embiid buys in. And from all indications, we've heard this. But I don't want to – you know, I say this every year. I'm not going to tie myself to this Philly franchise. You know, but, and then at the end of the year, I'm usually making a, a a rant on them. But, you know, we'll we'll see what happens, man. It's going to be fun, though. All right. So we ran into some technical difficulties. But it's all good because we were just about to wrap it up anyway. Uh, I think the only teams we didn't get to would have been like the bottom six teams in the East, which would have been, uh, let's see, like New York, Chicago, Charlotte, Cleveland, Orlando, and Detroit. But we hadn't really planned on talking about those teams anyway. We were just going to kind of do our top nine or ten. So maybe we'll get to them at another date. Um, I will add that Kevin Durant looked very good in his preseason debut, his first game in 552 days. He scored 15 points. In 23 minutes, he shot 5 of 12, but he came out hot in the first quarter. I think he was 4 of 5 with 11 points just in the first quarter, and he really looked like his old self. He hit a pull-up. He had a dunk right off the bat. He had a couple of fadeaways, a nice cut, uh, a couple of really nice passes, uh, and he was just moving well. That's the most important thing. That's the most encouraging thing. He was quick. He looked light on his feet. He was moving well on defense. Uh, He got a couple of block shots, I believe. So, I mean, I'm not going to say he's back to, like, MVP level, but he's back. It looked like Kevin Durant, and that's all we could really ask from, you know, his first game in 18 months. So that is a great bit of news. And does it bump up my optimism regarding the Nets? Mm, Maybe a little bit. I'll leave him where I had him to keep things simple. (laughs) And I'll just sign us off by saying uh, thank you all so much for listening, and thank you for your continued support. We appreciate it more than you can imagine. And tune in next week. I think we're going to do awards predictions. I'm, I'm almost certain that's going to be our next episode. And then uh, in the meantime, I believe Jacob is also going to be dropping at least one, maybe two of his By the Numbers podcasts. You know, those are always fantastic. So be sure to check those out as well. But we'll catch you all soon. Thanks again. Bye-bye. Thank you.